HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. For more information, visit meusa.com. You're listening to Heritage Radio Network. We're a member-supported podcast network broadcasting over 35 weekly shows live from Bushwick, Brooklyn. This year, we're celebrating 10 years of food radio. For the past decade, we've been taking you behind the scenes of farms, restaurants, breweries, school cafeterias, and more. It's been 10 years and we're just getting started. Find us at heritageradionetwork.org. Hey, hey, you're listening to Eat Your Words on Heritage Radio Network, and I'm your host, Kathy Irway. So, happy St. Patty's Day. It is uh, the day of green bagels here in New York City, and I hope everyone gets their green what-have-you cookies, maybe... uh, I don't know, green cabbage and corned beef and potatoes today to celebrate it. But um, we're actually not going to be talking about that. Uh, We're not going to be talking about Irish food because we have a wonderful book today that is all about the American South and its fascinating food ways. And I'm joined by an author who has written a great deal about it. And she is also a James Beard Award winning author. Um, uh, She has also written the book Shucked. Um, about oysters, and she also co-authored The New England Kitchen. And um, she's written for uh, lots of food publications, um, Food and Wine. She's written for the Boston Globe, Lucky Peach, and many. And also she's the editor and food writer for Nashville Lifestyles, and she lives in Nashville right now. So welcome to the show, Erin Byers-Murray. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for joining. So I was joking a little bit that your name sounds very Irish, even though... (laughs) (laughs) You didn't write about that today in this book. And I, I did marry an Irishman. Oh. So, there, so yeah. Okay. <laughs> so we're celebrating. We're celebrating. An Irish-American. We're celebrating mm-hmm. uh, in our house, in our way. Cool. Well, I wonder if that involves the topic of the, your your latest book, which is called Grits, a culinary, I'm sorry, a cultural and culinary journey through the South. Uh. <laughs> well, I have yet to find a dish where <laughs> I could put grits into an, an Irish uh, theme, but, but I bet it's out there. Cool. Well, I love this book so much because um, we've seen a number of really fascinating sort of cultural history books that are focused on one ingredient. So like Mark Kurlinski's books and Milk is her, his latest, or um, there's a great book about pawpaws, the fruit, and um, we had... Uh, 
a book about butter and its cultural history. But I've never seen so much um, one book that is a work of narrative nonfiction exploring the culture and history behind a dish or like a preparation. Mm. So this book is about grits and taking that as the lens through which to explore the American South. Um, why did you, why grits? <laughs> well, <laughs> I, um, you know, I, I didn't grow up eating grits. I'll be frank. Mm-hmm. I, uh, my husband got a, brought me back to grits as an adult, but I was living in the, in the Northeast. I had been um, born in the South mm-hmm. and, had sort of lived away from it for a long time and had lived in the Northeast for a long time and um, moved back to the South with my family in 2012. And the move was, uh, it was an interesting shift for me just because, you know, I was coming at it from somebody who was born in the South and felt like connected to it, Mm -hmm. uh, but not of it, you know. So when I came back, I assumed that getting back to the South, it would be like, oh, this is so easy, and I, this is so familiar. And, it's like putting and on an old pair of jeans. Yeah, it, yeah. everything everything's going to be so comfortable. Well, it wasn't for me. It was mm. a little challenging. It was just, you know, culturally a very different place, and um, I had a hard time kind of understanding it. So being a food writer, I decided I needed to tackle this through food. I needed mm-hmm. to sort of better understand this region of mine through a specific food way or dish, um, and came to Grits sort of you know, after thinking through kind of what the dish would be for a long time and how I would explore this topic, um, you know, it, it came to, to grits kind of sideways in that, you know, like I said, I didn't grow up eating grits. My husband did, and he was a big fan and kind of had gotten me back into them as an adult. But the topic of grits itself, you know, it was it was during an interview with um, Chef Sean Brock, who I was talking to him about a story on vegetables, and just sort of casually threw out what he thought about grits, and he had this reaction of, you know, that was like, oh, don't, you know, don't get me started. I could talk about grits a lot. <laughs> uh-huh. And so in that conversation, he said something along the lines of, you know, to me, the grits are the ultimate expression of terroir. And I kind of went, what? <laughs> I thought of grits as something that just came out of a box and, you know, an industrial cereal product and didn't think of grits as anything, you know, that expressed terroir, which is, you know, the, that an ingredient takes on the, the characteristics of the place where it's grown or the soil it's grown in. So I, I kind of went and did some digging um, and realized that we actually have so many uh, small uh, millers and Farmers that are working with heirloom varieties of corn now, and um, and people are doing things with grits that just haven't been done in a long time. Mm. So all of that sort of got me into this, you know, the rabbit hole. I just, <laughs> I just started digging, and um, as you do with food, just started uncovering these really fascinating stories that not just about the dish itself and and why it's so important and pop- popular in the South, but also culturally why you know why how it could tell stories about this place right um, and help help me sift through some of these things I was trying to figure out so in retrospect after doing so much research do you think that he was talking really literally about like the terroir of like the soil science and like what made the 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 grits taste a certain way or do you think it was more figurative like it reflects the place you're from um I think I think it's a little bit of both mm-hmm. I think at the moment he was talking pretty pretty literally because he uses a very specific style of grits from a miller mm. in Edisto Island, South yeah. Carolina, who, who was working with this corn variety. But it, in reality, it is it is more figurative because it does give you a sense of 
um, of, of of a place in the country hmm. that not a lot of other dishes do. You yeah. know, it's it's it, it very it, it can be very regionally specific. I I have to admit I am a total Yankee, and I didn't really know about grits until a scene in My Cousin Vinny where <laughs> Joe Pesci is in a diner and goes, what is a grit? Um, so, but I found this really, really fascinating. Um, this book, uh, you know, in your, in your introduction, you write, you know, as I researched grits, I, I saw that the dish provided me with a lens through which I could better understand the place I had come to reclaim. There had been a number of big thorny topics about the South that upon moving back, I found myself trying to grapple with the region's tumultuous history, old and new conversations about race, gender and how and where women find their place here, politics, both in government and in relation to food, and the changing culinary culture through which people across the South, including myself, identify themselves. And you go on to note that the South is very much evolving as we speak right now, and it has transformed a lot since you were a small kid living there um just how um just to give us a little sense like how exactly is it evolving today well i think that what we're starting to understand um not just starting to but have mm-hmm. been understanding is that it, it the south is not one pan region it's mm-hmm. not you know all encompassing topics about the south don't don't fit every community that you're in so like any region, it's a, it, it's made up of micro regions. So, you know, the part of Tennessee that I live in is very different than you know, it, both culturally and in, in culinary terms, can be different than where you know something in East Tennessee or something in the Carolinas or you know. Wh- so I think there there's that the evolution of understanding that you know there's so many stories and and rituals and traditions and um, and history within these micro regions to explore. And so as those stories are kind of coming to light, we're starting to see, you know, that Appalachia is very different than the low country and, and to call things, you know, just generically Southern. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it works and it doesn't. You know? Yeah. And yet, now, and now yet, the evolution of storytelling is coming through. Cool. Yeah. And yet like grits is really embraced as um, a point of pride throughout these different communities and in many different ways, it sounds uh, more surprising, you know, ways than, than I ever knew for sure. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. I think there's, there's also something interesting about how grits, um, you know, you mentioned that it is enjoyed now um, further and further north. It is also uh, a cousin to polenta, which is definitely enjoyed in Italy and mm-hmm. elsewhere. But I wonder, do you know why grits haven't been spread more <laughs> throughout the world? <laughs> well, I, and if you think about the name grits, you know, mm-hmm. the dish itself cooked ground corn uh, product cooked with water over heat, you know, and served as a porridge or as part of a larger meal. Like that's, that's, you can find that in cultures across the world. You know, that, that's not, it's the term grits that, that um, has kind of stuck in the South, I guess. So, and, you know, to your point, polenta and grits are essentially the same thing. Just it's a different milling technique uh-huh. is all it is. Um, but I think in the South, the, you know, the, this this region embraced this dish um, so vehemently and closely uh-huh. because, because it has so many roots in in, this, in Southern culture and Southern food history and Southern food ways. Um, and, and, you know, 
m- one of the things I attribute that to is actually our history with slavery. And so our enslaved communities that were existed in the South, many of them subsisted on dishes like grits that were, you know, it was either corn was provided with either in rations or could be grown. And it was given to field workers and to the enslaved community as a way to fuel them. It was inexpensive mm-hmm. um, food. And so that, and that, that dish was also prepared in the big house, um, usually by an enslaved cook. So, so mm-hmm. both black and white communities were subsisting on grits and, and that led it to become kind of a comforting, you know, dish for many communities and, and many classes and that, you know, that dish then, it, it, it transfers up to the Northeast and other parts of the country, um, to the Midwest um, with the Great Migration. And so we've got this, um, you know, the history of the dish itself is rooted deeply in, in Southern history and culture, and then it kind of spreads throughout the country from here. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it is, it's, it's not, it's complicated, you know, and that yeah. was, that was hard for me to sort of you know, relay and research, um, and then to digest and to understand and to sort of see about this region. Right. Well, you do a great job of exploring that in this book, but, um, actually take us back to the beginning. Who invented grits? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, well, it's actually, if you think back to, you know, maize, well, maize was first cultivated in central Mexico and, um, they first find indications of it maybe nine or 10,000 years ago. And so maize was, you know, the idea was that it was crafted from the Teosante plant and, and agriculturalists, who were mainly women, um, sort of created maize from, based on seed saving and, um, and, and their work with, with plants and agriculture. So corn shows up maybe nine or 10,000 years ago. Um, the, the, in, the research I found was that they're in that same region, they, were, they discovered hand tools, mm-hmm. like um, mortar and pestle almost, that were grinding milling okay. devices um, with residue of maize. So, so go back 8,000 years, and you know that the corn that's being grown is being ground by hand. Um, that corn is likely being added, you know, con- combined with water, cooked over heat, and, you know, that becomes a food source. So okay. to me, <laughs> in my reason, uh-huh. I see grits going all the way back to, you know, indigenous cultures that um, that originally created maize. And Got so it. it comes, you know, it obviously immediately starts getting transferred and, and brought to other places and um, probably arrives in the southeastern United States around 2,000 years ago when, when corn kind of starts showing up in this part of America. So, so the dish itself, while well, everyone sort of pins it on the south, uh-huh. um, really has roots, you know, they go back, I think, go back way, way further. And they go back more south than the American south, (laughs) south, central Mexico, (laughs) to be uh, clear. Um, And Mexico, you know, there's still such a strong uh, connection and cultural connection with with corn there. So a lot of people think about grits as this uniquely American product, but it was being eaten by Native Americans throughout uh, the Americas Mm -hmm. instead fascinating um and you you write about how um chef um sean sherman um Mm -hmm. the sous chef had was trying to figure out and trying to um you know trying to to reclaim this dish basically and figure out some of the heritage grains or corn 
crops the, to, that they, his ancestors may have used. Yes, and so his, his explorations were really the very first time I encountered uh, an indigenous um, variation of what grits could be. And so the, and it, it, for him, I think the research is, it's not necessarily around grits, it's around that, that corn, corn. porridge mm-hmm. um, dish. And, and, you know, the application now can be grits. But, um, but yeah, there, is a, a, there was a blue Cherokee corn that, we, that he had prepared as a grits dish. And, and because he doesn't use any European introduced ingredients, so, you know, even <clears throat> sugar or, or dairy or anything, you know, the dish was very simple but so creamy and rich hmm. um, in the application wow. he used. So, yeah, it, it, and it, the, it, was, it was remarkable. And um, I look forward to seeing how he continues to explore those food ways. Wow. And and yet yeah. the typical <laughs> grits preparation in the American South is pretty simple, but there's usually a lot of butter involved, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. You wouldn't yeah, skip that. It's, it's a blank canvas. <laughs> uh-huh. um, no, I, yeah, I mean, here it's, it's butter and cheese and salt and pepper, um, sometimes Tabasco. Um, it, it, you know, it, the dish the dish doesn't have to be much more than that, you know, for breakfast, especially put that next to some eggs and toast and, you know, and maybe some um, sausage or bacon and it's good. <laughs> yeah. I thought there was something um, interesting to like this strong, um, uh, just assertion that grits should really be left alone for the most part in the South. <laughs> there, yes, there is. Um, mm-hmm. Although I think now people are taking it in new directions as, mm-hmm. as they explore dishes that can include grits. Cool. Well, let's talk about a lot of those um, new ways after a quick little commercial break. We'll be right back. Today's program was brought to you by Emmy Cheese, specialty cheese from Switzerland made with heart and passion. Since the early 1900s, Emmy has been a passionate supporter of farmers, cheesemakers, and family tradition. They believe in sustainable agriculture and respect for the people, land, and animals that make their business possible. Remaining dedicated to tradition, they strive to lead the industry in innovation, ensuring they bring you only the highest quality, best-tasting cheese from Switzerland. Emmy is best known for importing more than 80% of Swiss Gruyere into the United States, but that's not to overshadow their other specialty cheeses, including Kotbalt Cave-Age cheeses, Appenzeller, Tete de Moine, and traditional Emmentaler. For more information, visit emmyusa.com. Are you enjoying this podcast? Heritage Radio Network has plenty more. My name is Coral Lee, and I'm the host of Meant to be Eaten here on HRN. Every week, I look at cross-cultural exchange in food and contemporary media. What determines authenticity? What, if anything, gets lost in translation when cooking foods from another's culture? You can find Men to Be Eaten wherever you listen to podcasts and on heritageradionetwork.org. All right, we're back chatting with Erin Byers-Murray about her latest book, Grits. And uh, just to um, bring you... Bring you guys, give you guys a slice of some of the topics that are, dis, um, you know, discussed here in this book because we can't get to all of them as much as I would love to. Um, I love that you have this chapter really dedicated to women's role in grits throughout, mm-hmm. from basically the the origins of corn itself. You write women mm-hmm. have have been played a strong role in this. 
Um, tell me a little bit about that. Well, I, so many people I talk to, you know, it goes back to a woman cooking grits. Um, and when I started to kind of explore that even further, you know, looking back at who was sort of literally carrying grits, uh, you know, we were talking about Native American and indigenous cultures. And so many of those people were, um, were women who were, were who were actually doing the growing Grinding. and then mm-hmm. doing the cooking <clears throat> as well. So the, you know, from the very early origins, I would say that women had a primary role in bringing it to the forefront. Um, and then, you know, in the kitchens, uh, you know, when you get to the American South, most of those cooks were also women. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, I, I, you know, women like Natalie Dupree, who has been an icon of, of Southern uh Southern, the Southern culinary canon, really, you know, she wrote Mastering the Art of Southern Cooking and several other books that, that you know, she was touting grits long, long before mm-hmm. um, a lot of male chefs yeah. were, uh-huh. <laughs> were cooking grits in their kitchens. Um, and so I, you know, I, I wanted to explore that and really give, uh, you know, tribute to the, to the people mm-hmm. who brought it forward because I think the, nowadays, you know, so many people who are talking about grits or milling grits or cooking grits and touting them are, um, many of them are men. And, yeah. um, and, and so wanted to sort of go back and, and explore the people and, the, you know, the, the women who, right. were, who were, had a hand in this. I so. think it's interesting that women had such um, uh, an important part in a food that was just really the food of sustenance. It was, mm-hmm. it was feeding, it was providing and nourishing. And, you know, it might not be Escoffier technique uh, and, you know, other, you know. But, I mean, grits are the ultimate slow food. You stand mm. and you stir, you know. It's the woman who can stand by the pot and keep scraping the bottom and, you know, <laughs> um, and feed her, her family. I mean, that really is the, right. the bottom line of what grits are, so. And I love how the word itself, grit, it seems very loaded with meaning of, uh, you know, hardworking uh Working class. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Somebody who has true grit, really. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's a, there's a group in the South called Girls Raised in the South, and it's, you know, grits. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, and, you know, one of the things in the book that I try to explore, I, I, I couldn't find very many female millers, you know, female women who are actually milling okay. corn nowadays. And, and I did manage to find a couple, but um, two of them are actually in Oxford, Mississippi. And I loved sort of going through that, that storyline about um, who they were and the, the equipment they used. I mean, these women talk about grit, you know, they're doing a pretty physical job every mm. single day. And, and also standing alone as women um, in an industry that's dominated by men. So, you yeah. know, they're selling to restaurants, they're selling to, um, and I, one of them, um, Julia Tatum, who she, she just, she, she's young. She decided to take over this business on her own. Cool. I mean, and she was joking about how, you, you know, the FedEx guy would come and, or UPS guy would come and pick up boxes and he'd be like, who, who you got helping you with this? And she was like, do you see anyone else here? You know? <laughs> um, so it, it, those are just, you know, it, it, the story continues with, with women in the, in the world of grits. That's really fascinating. Um, yeah, thanks so much for including so many of these modern-day stories. And I guess that brings us to, we didn't really go over how grits have evolved from the stone ground product that was 
made in mills that are now coming back. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it was this very industrial product for a long time in between. And it still is. Yeah. That, and that was part of the book that I didn't anticipate exploring, mm. but realized that my research into grits would also take me into the research of milling and, and the history of milling right. in the United States. And so... You know, you go from these pretty rudimentary uh, milling devices, hand tools um, at stone mills that are run power water uh, water powered, and then you move quickly into the transition into um, mechanization and um, into industrialization. You know, they sort of the small water powered mill was quickly erased from the American landscape when industrial cereal production began. Um, Those mills were either bought up or closed or, you know, shut down. And so, I mean, that that, that was probably for 75 to 100 years we were, you know, producing grits like like any cereal kind of on this massive scale with, you know, and it went into steel roll mills and, um, and, and, production of corn that was very different, you know, because corn became commodified and, and GMO varieties started being used. So what happened, I think it was probably, you started to see in the, in the eighties and nineties, this, um, some of those mills held out, you know, yeah. some of those family run mills still exist, not, not many. Um, but then you start to see these, you know, these other small mills start to come back online. Mm, um, so whether it's couples that yeah. have like gone to re, you know, refurbish an old water power mill or um, that are starting their own mills with, you know, small, you know, um, you know, electrical mills that, that are stone, stone ground um, mm-hmm. machines, you know, so, so you start to see them come back around. I think in the last two decades, um, there's been a resurgence. Yeah. Yeah. So what is the difference in the product? Um, sounds like uh, the industrial processes really stripped a lot of the flavor and nutrients, but w- how does it, that affect, yeah. It does, and, you know, I, wanna, I just, you know, across the board say, you know, try, try to avoid instant grits. Really? <laughs> um, but there's a place for them, for sure. Um, they feed a, a lot of people, but and they feed people quickly. Um, quick grits and old-fashioned grits that they're sometimes labeled, you know, they're, those are less nutritionally enhanced. They're, they're more closer to a, a straight corn product. Oh, okay. um, but in, you know, instant grits, there's a, there's a whole set they're of like ingredients that are yeah. added to, that, to them oh. so that they will, you know, puff up and, and turn into grits really quickly with water. But, um, you know, and, and the, not to say that Boxed grits by big cereal producers aren't, you know, they're not bad. They're, <laughs> like I said, they're they're cheaply produced and they're cheap to purchase, which makes them a good, still a good nutrient source. Mm-hmm. But when you compare them to stone ground varieties from small millers, um, you get, especially when it's an heirloom variety of corn, you know, you start to really see these nuances of flavor and texture. And um, stone ground grits take longer to cook, uh, mm. and they, you know, they, it, there's just a lot of nuance, I guess, to those to the way that the the dish shows up. So, so you can add less to uh-huh. <laughs> some of those other, you know, those small batch varieties of grits, um, but the flavor is still like really, it's 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 remarkable. And I you love know, that, um, yeah, you can find those heirloom varieties that m- might be blue or red. And mm-hmm. white or cor- uh, yellow, because actually the instant ones are bleached white, right? 
Mm, yeah, and they, yes. <laughs> yes, and there's also, you know, in the South, there are certain communities that, you know, it, the debate over white versus yellow corn um, still kind of rages on. <laughs> Tell me about that. Uh, you know, in some places, yellow corn was beet corn, and so you only uh-huh. eat you only, you only, humans only ate the white corn. Um, and other places, oh, you only eat yellow corn, you know, it, so it's, <laughs> and it's, it's not, it's not even community to community. It's like household. <laughs> oh my gosh. Um, but, but yes, those industrial grits are, are usually white, um, and colorless and, uh, wow. you know. These people get feisty about grits. Um, they do. <laughs> like, as they should. You have a whole chapter about the how grits have been used as a political tool throughout the ages. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and it sounds like the most recent one, uh, maybe, or one of the most recent ones, was when um, the, the, the FDA, um, was it the FDA or the USDA? Um, uh, the USDA. USDA yeah. decided to put new guidelines on school foods that had to do with, you know, whole wheat instead of, mm. um, you know, Ultra process and that left out grits and a lot of parents got upset. <laughs> well, it, it didn't leave them out. They okay. wanted a hundred percent whole grain grits, and so the complaint from the kids was that there were little um, that there were little speckles in their grits. Oh no! <laughs> and so they wouldn't eat them. You know, they were used to the you know they were used to a, a more um, like a quick cooking grit product, mm. and so. The argument was, oh, you know, grits are no longer allowed in schools. Well, you know, Q technically. right-wing <laughs> trolls attacking President Obama. <laughs> right. Um, and all he was trying to do was say, actually, let's take let's take a whole grain grit, yeah. which is more more nutritionally valuable, and put that in lunches. But they didn't focus on that. They <laughs> they took it the other direction. So. so what is going on now? Did they just revert back to, you know, everything is... All good to eat now. <laughs> I, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm, yeah. Well. <laughs> we're gonna we're gonna let that go <laughs> for now. Um, but yeah, unfortunately. But it sounds like you're a big proponent of the whole grain grits, uh, the stone ground grits that is from smaller mills for its variousness and flavor. And, yes, for yeah. me and what I make at home, um, that's what I'm cooking usually. Um, just because I like to, to explore those flavor profiles too. You know, really, mm-hmm. you know, if you not that I frequently make two different kinds of grits side by side, but you know, if I'm making mm-hmm. a shrimp and grits dish, I might do one time with blue grits. I might do one time with um, a Cherokee white corn. You know, I might you know just to see what the difference is and to see yeah. how they how the flavors play off each other because they really they're the nuances really are there. So. Wow. What's your favorite way to make grits lately? Oh, uh, well, I one of I, I, this is so simple, but it's like it's almost like a polenta dish the way you make it. But you add, I like to add like a Gruyere cheese ah. uh, to my grits and, and kind of Why add not? something really tangy to the grits itself. And then saute some mushrooms, maybe some shallots, a little vermouth, um, some thyme, and just top the grits with the mushroom mixture and it's wow. just like simple comforting perfect dinner in the winter Ooh, dish for mousse yeah. in the splashed in the mushroom sauces mm. Mm. Mm-hmm. and then the really tangy good. cheese and the grits it's a really yeah that's a crowd pleaser <laughs> okay i i have one oddball question has anyone done a dessert grits like why doesn't that exist well, there are, um, they, yes, I've, I've okay. seen grits in, in some sweet applications. Um, usually, in, it, it's like a variation of cornmeal. You know, you would just need to, um, however you're using the meal, 
you could, you know, if you were going to make like a cake with cornmeal, you could use grits instead. It would just be, you'd have to be careful and use the right amount of liquid so that you're not getting like, you know, big kernels of crunchy, mm-hmm. you know, crunchy. Yeah, in the yeah, cake. true. Um, but yeah, we I've seen egg grits and show up in breads ah. and um, a lot of uh, you know other baked goods. So it's there. There's a lot of playing around. Yeah. That people are doing. I, I'm thinking so. faux dairy. You know, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <You> never... <laughs> yeah, yeah. Something to try. Well, it's also gluten free, so mm-hmm. you know they, that adds another true a texture. So. Gluten free, dairy free, unless you add the butter. Mm-hmm. It's it's yeah. really a testament to um, as as your book shows grits is really constantly evolving as we speak so um yeah it looks like that's about all the time we have today though to get into this book but i hope everyone checks it out because there's so many more stories that you've uncovered and they're all so fascinating so thank you so much erin thank you i really enjoyed it thanks and uh happy saint patty's day everyone and we'll see you next week on eat your words Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows you like, tell your friends, and please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.